Okay, so um, so we're in between a number of things. You know, I mean, what, what Abby shared um, was really enough uh, for us to, to go away with. And um, it, it's, it's interesting because it, that's so counterintuitive what, what she shared. Um, I spent two years going to the Athens Institute of Ministry. And, um, I, you know, Douglas and, and Joey Harris and Sam Lang and uh, Tom Jones and, and these guys were my teachers for two years. And these are guys that have been knowing Bible and teaching Bible. And I mean, we learned some really deep theology. Patrick's doing this right now. And so, you know, man, it gets really deep. And what frustrated me the most was that two years of intense training and thousands of dollars spent. And you know what's interesting is, is Abby knows all that stuff just from reading her Bible every year. That's really the, that's so funny because we do, we think, man, if I could just get this kind of crazy, intense, deep teaching about the Bible. Um, but then we would talk about things and Abby's just like, well, I just read it through every year. And so I know I understand that already. So the moral of the story is you can save yourself thousands of dollars, you know, by just reading your Bible every year, okay? And and teaching is great and preaching is fine and all of those kind of things, but um, it's so easy to depend on that. And then, man, we get so kind of all over the place because we depend on other people to bring the word to us. Um, and th- the beautiful thing that I've learned in the church is that it's an add-on when you have a brother or sister that can give you something from the Bible. That's just an extra, yeah. all right? That shouldn't be the primary thing. That's just like a little something extra. And hopefully even today as we talk about some things, um, there are some ideas that I have, but hopefully you go away and you have more ideas from that. Hopefully that's the point in even teaching this lesson is that you walk away and you have a lesson that you make your own, that you're able to sit down and figure out your life um, in terms of the Bible. Um, and again, it's just one of the things that uh, if, if we could do that consistently every single year, you really won't get bored. You, you, you'll understand even the parts. I think what hangs us up is we think, oh, this part isn't pertinent to me right now. But it's pertinent because you have to know the whole story. All right, we would never watch it. That would be the worst movie in the world if we just were like, well, I don't know if I want to watch these five minutes. Let me skip ahead to this. I'm like, well, that's just a bad movie if you have to do that. And we don't want to do it. You have to get the entire context and tell the story. I know a number of you have shared this with me. You, you want to know, how can I just tell the story of the Bible? And this is the only way you get to do that. Okay, there's no, if, if there's a class, I, sure you can take a class to do it. But it won't be yours. Amen. It'll just be like an intellectual exercise. Um, and so learning this and be inspired by it. There are a couple of really cool, if you want some, some inspiration, go and watch some of those YouTube videos on the Bible Project. It's because they tell this whole story artistically, illustratively. Um, but it's enough to inspire us, I think, to get in and read the Bible book by book and to be able to tell the story I think sometimes we would feel weird if I came in and said, don't open your Bibles at all. We're just going to, even if I told you the story of the Bible, we would go, uh, but you know, we didn't open our Bible. I'm like, but right, stop thinking. I mean, we've got to know the, we've got to know the flow of the Bible. And that's what brings us, it makes us faithful and, and allows the Holy Spirit to work in our life. And so anyway, we, we could go on and on about that. It was just, there's a, a lot there, but really coming back to 
Will I commit to doing that? It's just, I don't know any other way. But anyway, um, I do want to talk about something today, um, and this is just a very, I think, very simple lesson. Um, So last month was 19 years since I had become a disciple, and why that made it was important to me, although it's not like 20 or 25 or 30, 19 signified the, the idea that I had been a disciple longer than I lived at home with, under my parents' roof, not as a disciple. Yeah. Okay, and so that was like very significant. And I was thinking over the years, all of the things that have happened over 19 years. And there's been so many amazing things. And there's been so many sad things and so many bad things. And I've sinned, you know, I, I remember hearing this and it became kind of a reality. But Sam Lang used to always say when we were in South Florida, he said, man, I've sinned so much more since being a Christian than I did before becoming a Christian. And sometimes we would go, oh my gosh, really? Like, what, has, what are you doing, right? But, but the truth is that's absolutely true. All right, is when I became a disciple, it wasn't like all of a sudden sin became something I didn't want to do anymore, right? It became like, oh, I, it was real, but it was still tempting. And it was still like there was this part of me that was so drawn to it. And so, you know, I think over 19 years and I think, wow, um, man, there have been major times of sin, okay, times of repentance, times of of, of refreshing mountains and valleys and all in between. And, and, and here's something that I think all of us, if you haven't been, you guys have think have been here and you've been old enough as disciples to have experienced this, is there will be times when you will just get stuck. Yeah. You will get stuck like, in, like trying to walk through mud. Yeah. You will just get absolutely spiritually stuck. All right. And so what I wanted to share was just five simple ways that you can stay that way. (laughs) Yes, there are five ways that you can absolutely be insured. And when you leave here, come up with your own five. okay, of ways that you can ensure you will stay stuck spiritually. okay? it's it's funny because, you know, this guy, it's hard to see that picture. He's stuck in the mud. These are different little dudes that got stuck right here. So the kid on the left right there, that's one of those claw machines, you know? And this actually happened to friends of ours uh, in Tallahassee. Their son climbed in in a restaurant into the claw machine, and they found out, and he's, like, sitting there, like, staring out. And I meant to text Sarah to get the real picture of this because she has it, and then I lost it. And I'm like, okay, I I didn't have time to do that and wait for it and all those kind of things. So I'm just going to Google it. And apparently lots of little kids get caught up in the claw machine, okay? So I don't know that boy, but it looks very similar to the picture of of the boy in Tallahassee. Um, But but you just get stuck, man, you know? Um, And and so anyway, so there's a a number of different things, you know, uh, of, of how we get stuck. You know, there's lots of lots of ways we can just be busy enough over time that then all of a sudden you're like man i'm i'm absolutely stuck like i've lost my energy spiritually i've lost my i've lost that desire to be like jesus i've lost the you know i'm I'm reading my bible but it's not changing how i do life right and it's just like wow i'm stuck how did i get there well busyness can get us there okay um, there's a lot of things. How, 
What gets you to a place where you feel like, I, wow, I'm stuck right now. I'm like, I'm stuck in the mud. I'm stuck in the claw machine. I'm stuck somewhere, you know, like the little kid stuck in the toilet, okay, is, is what gets you stuck? Yeah. Okay, yeah, of a long enough period of time of just not being grateful, and you're like, wow, why am I not more just my spiritual life? Why isn't it more like just snappy and vital and fresh? And it's, wow, man, I can't remember the last time I've been thankful for anything, right? That's great. What else gets you stuck? Self-focus. Yeah, okay, of just, it, man, that and, and that is one of those things that is so... Um, if we aren't really serious about that, that sneaks in so subtly. And, and, and the older we get as disciples, it's almost like self-focus can become justified, you know, where we like find reasons why it's okay to be self-focused, right? Okay, um, so yeah, that can happen. And then over time, you're like, why aren't I more excited? Why aren't I like, they talk about singing the song, that song is stupid and, you know, and it just isn't changing my heart. And it's like, because... We have this agenda like when, when our decision-making process becomes about only, I'm only do that when I want to do it. And I only like the songs I want to sing. And I only like, you know, um, I, man, I'm not going to, you know, we, last night we watched Star Wars, The Force Awakens, outdoor movie night, right? And I get all stressed out because I'm like, how can we pick the perfect movie that everyone will absolutely love to watch? And that movie really doesn't exist, okay? But it's that idea. Sometimes we can even get self-focused and go, oh, well, no, no, I'm only going to do things when it's exactly what I want to do and exactly what I want to see. And I'll only be with my family when it's exactly, you know, and, and all of these kind of things. And so it, that's, one, that's one of those really, like, deviant little ways to get us stuck. What else gets you stuck? Yeah. Uh, well, inversely focusing on others when I'm looking at everybody else and I get right. stuck because I'm not trying to fix anything in my life. I'm just, oh, they would do that. That's a little trick right there, isn't it? It's like, okay, I'm not going to be focused on me. I'm going to be focused on you and why you're wrong. <laughs> Right? The Bible does say not to focus on me. So, you know, consider everybody else's sin. Yeah. But, but what Jacob said is exactly right. And you want to know what? That, that highlights a really important point of, of going back and reading the entire Bible because the Bible is like a disco ball. You know, it's got all kinds of little angled mirrors and they're angled all over the place. And sometimes we go, yeah, just don't be focused on you. And we forget that, hold on a minute, there's a mirror that says, man, when you're... You can be focused the wrong way on somebody else, too. And so the nuance, right, of, of the disco ball analogy. That's, 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 uh, it is. It is. It is. But that's exactly right. What Jacob shared is, is it, this view of, like, this, the, the, the little dust inspector. Like, you know what's wrong with everybody. What, what else do you think? Yeah, Juliana. Bad day, bad week, bad, you know, whatever's yeah, going on right. circumstantially, I can just get so emotional in yeah. mm-hmm. Right. All kinds of emotions, man. I mean, there can be anything that can, and that can get us stuck. These are, these are things that can get us stuck, right? Um, you know, it's funny is, is, is carelessness can get us stuck. Like, it's just like we, we're just aimlessly going through life. Like, okay, I'll get up and this is what I'll do. And it's just like we become careless and end up finding that we're stuck, you know, you could have had an instance in a situation in your life that scared you. 
all right? And that can get you stuck because then everything is seen through the, through the lens of that event that scared you, yeah. all right? I, I remember there was a, a, a young lady in Tallahassee, and she said, man, I always hate it when somebody so-and-so walks up in front of the church to make an announcement because she remembered he made an announcement one time that was scared her for the church like the church is going through a hard time and he got up and gave an announcement and scared her and then everything she did was like if she saw him walking up she's like oh my god you know and and but that became kind of like what trained her life she became she was fear got her stuck right um, just being discouraged and frustrated, busy, as we've said before. You know what? This is the thing, too, that we don't think about is when we attempt to find a spiritual solution with worldly methods, okay? And, and that's going to be the thing, and we're, we're going to talk about this more, but that, that right there is we live in a world and in a time right now that we will be amazingly frustrated if we try to fix problems worldly problems uh, with worldly methods like it's a matter of man you get stuck when we stop going hold on a minute what does the bible teach me to do here to solve this problem okay but we do live and what and what happens is, is, is a lot of it is we live in the social media internet world that has all of these solutions you have this entire you know, hundreds of millions of websites you can go to and get advice on how to fix things and do things differently, and this is what's needed, and we think everyone is an expert, right? And it's interesting is sometimes it's like, you know, you get inundated by that, and we actually think that's a good thing sometimes, like, no, it's good, more, let's talk more, 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 you know, and I think, you know what was the worst thing that I think happened to us is when the news shows became 24 hours. More news made things worse, right? I mean, if you listen to 20, having 24-hour political talk shows made things worse, okay? Not better having more, okay? So more isn't always better, but we can get stuck, right, when we start trying to figure out the problems of the world in worldly ways rather than spiritual ways. Um, Has anybody here read Pilgrim's Progress before? Wow, that thing is so good. That book, now you can get the not, he writes it. All right, Bunyan writes it like King James Version. Some of y'all can hang in there. Abby can hang in there with that. I'm like, I've got to get like the updated version. And you can do that. It's like 99 cents on Amazon. Get you, And it's a story and it's a dream that he had. And it's the journey of a man's spiritual life. But it's this illustrative journey of the man's name is Christian. And, and he leaves home and he goes on this journey and he goes on the narrow path and he finds all these things. But he... One of his, he, he gets a partner, and everybody's name describes them. And so a guy came alongside of him, and his name was Pliable. That was his name. And Pliable could be torn in any direction, right? And anyway, Christian falls into what was called the slough of despond. And it was this miry just pond that he fell into because he wasn't paying attention. Him and Pliable, okay? And it's this idea of that's stuck. That's us getting stuck. You fall into it, and you're like, now what do we do? I'm not sure which way to go. Pliable went back home. He goes, I don't like this. I'm turning around and going back to my old life. Christian was like, no, I'm going to get through this. All right. And he ends up doing it. That's a little bit of an illustration. I would really encourage you, read that. You go and read that book. It's fascinating. So it's not really a matter of, of if we'll get stuck, but what will we do when we're stuck? 
Okay, that really will happen and has happened. I bet you all of us could come up here and tell a story about, man, I was stuck spiritually. It was a week or a month or a year, okay? Um, so that's the important thing. Bible people got stuck too, right? I mean, you remember Elijah? You love Elijah, and he's getting up there, and he's like mocking the prophets of Baal, and he's like, come on down, and he's, you know, God is lighting fires in watery, with watery logs, and Elijah's just like on the mountain, and then he comes down off the mountain, and do you remember who got really angry at him? You remember who her name was? Jezebel, and she said, man, <laughs> may God deal with me harshly if by tomorrow you're not dead. So she told Elijah, and what did Elijah do? Took off running. I mean, you just have this picture of a guy just running, just running, running, running. I mean, in his mind, he was like, I'm the only one left in the whole world. He was absolutely stuck and running and running. He got stuck. A guy who did amazing things through the power of God. Jonah got stuck. Jonah just got, got stuck. He's like, why, God, are you trying to forgive these people? And he just got stuck and sunburnt and miserable and all these things. And Peter did as well. We know those. And here's a few ways to stay that way. Okay. Uh, you know what? They're just people to just hold your... They're people who are stuck. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, they're just, they're just stuck people. That, see what so see what happened was that as I was doing my slideshow, I forgot to change the stock picture. <laughs> so the spirit has directed us to these people. They need our help. <laughs> Apparently, you're stuck because you've been paying attention to that picture. <laughs> you haven't heard it. I'm just like, why are those people up there? But they look happy. There you go. Here's one way is live by sight. Live life by what's right in front of you, what you can see. Live that way, okay, is living by sight. Hebrews 11, verse 7, he talks about Moses and Moses being treated and, and, and was like, I'm not going to be treated like I, sh I could be in Pharaoh's presence. I'm going to be mistreated like my brothers. And it says that, that uh, he saw him who is invisible. I love that verse, Hebrews 11, 7. And, and that's the question for us. If, if, if we're going to stay stuck, we can go and that will keep us stuck. Yeah. Look around. Look around at the world we live in, all right, and live by that. That will keep us stuck. We saw Moses, and you think, how did he see him who is invisible? I want you to think about that. All right? It says Moses, it wasn't like Moses was going, no, I'm going to move from this neighborhood to this neighborhood. Moses was like, no, I will be mistreated because I see him who is invisible. So we can stay stuck. 2 Corinthians 5 says we live by faith faith, not by sight. It's this idea of what do you see that's invisible? Spiritually speaking, I, you don't have to answer that, but I want you to think about that. Like, what do you see every day that makes you say, no, I'm not going to behave based on what I see. I'm not going to trust life 
based on what I see. Because if we do that, and, and one of the exercises I'll share with you, it's really helpful for me to do with this. And again, these are my five things, okay? You can come up with your own too. There's plenty of ways to stay stuck, okay? I, I write down, what do I see that's bothering me? Like, what am I seeing? Like, I write that down in my quiet time journal. Like, what am I seeing that makes me feel uneasy, that makes me feel like, you know, things are impossible? What am I seeing? All right. And that helps me to go, okay, now what's invisible that's going to make me go, hold on a minute. I don't trust this. I don't trust what I'm seeing. I trust what I don't see. My eyes are fixed on Jesus, Hebrews 12, right? The author and perfecter or pioneer of our faith, okay? So live by sight. I like this one. Live life in the should. You understand what I'm talking about there? Did anybody else ever do that or is it just... It, Right. I, I, I'm going, hold on a minute. How many times do I stop myself and I'm like, this shouldn't be this way. Life, life should be easier. Um, you know, that shouldn't have happened that way. All right. Now, th this point right here, living life, this will keep us stuck if, if we wake up every morning and we think, Okay, it's not like this. Okay, um, Mary and Martha struggle with this when Lazarus died. Okay, you remember what they did? Remember what Mary and Martha, what did they do and say to Jesus? It, if you would have come, my brother wouldn't have. In their mind, they were going, Jesus should be here. And then this wouldn't happen. And they had created this like, this, this idea in their mind that life should have been different, but Jesus didn't show up. Okay? And they said that to him. They said, if you would have been here, Lazarus would not have died. And it's that stuck kind of like, no, what should have happened is Jesus should have been here to stop that from happening. Okay? Do you remember what Jesus said? Do you remember what he told them? Do you remember that part of the story? What did, what did he tell them? Right. Right. Jesus is going, hold on a minute. Believe me, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. I absolutely know what I'm doing. And what was needed wasn't me to be here to stop Lazarus from dying. And, and it's that idea of Jesus opens up the curtain to let them see there's something else going on. And when we live like how things should be, then we forget that hold on, Jesus, God has this thing under control. He's got it, okay? Now, the hard thing about that is, is that that's simple if it's not something personal, but when it becomes something painful and hard and difficult, and we start, this should, and it, that shouldn't happen, and it shouldn't have been that way, this becomes very difficult, okay? This isn't something where it's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, this is kind of like the big brother to uh, what, what uh, 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 radio show hosts used to say all the time is, is living in the was. Okay, there's living in the should, that's the big brother. Then there's this idea of living how you used to live, living in the was. Revelation 3, 1, he says, you have a reputation for being alive, 
but you're dead. Like when we live by our reputation, it's like, oh, I'm still living like how it was instead of what it is today. Okay, so if we want to stay stuck, we use words like should and used to and all of these things. And that keeps us stuck right there. Turn over to Matthew chapter 5 because Jesus has some very specific words about this. In Matthew chapter 5, um, and, and remember, I mean, it, it really, as we, you may be even thinking to yourself, hold on, there are other things that keep me stuck. There, there are other things. But there's this idea of, of, of Matthew 5. I'm sorry, Matthew 6. Um, he tells this story uh, about don't, don't worry, don't worry about all these things. Um, verse 34, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Verse 33, right above it, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Is this idea of God's plan for us if we want to be unstuck is that we live right here right now like what's in front of us today right not like yesterday how many of you guys would love if god would allow you to go back in time to undo some things oh yeah you go i would love that that would be so awesome that would be the greatest invention in the world okay god found it to be perfect that he didn't allow us to do that. Amen. We've got to wrestle with that a little bit. God, found, God was like, I'm good with people not being able to do that. I'm good. In fact, it's better that they don't do that. And in our minds, we think that would be so great. Except God was like, I'm okay not letting the people do that to live today okay it's really interesting you can go back and read hebrews 3 some of our favorite verses encourage one another daily you know and he talks about he keeps using a word today 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 because our point is is hold on a minute today if we want to kind of get unstuck it's that idea of okay what's going on today like i can't worry about tomorrow and i can't change yesterday all right but if we want to stay stuck then it's that idea of thinking about what should be, what was, what, what ought to be, you know, all of these things in order to stay stuck. Boy, this is one right here. Is find someone to blame. <laughs> find someone to blame. That will ensure us being stuck, okay? I'm not sure if this is your thing or not, but if you can find somebody, because when you blame somebody, then it's not... I don't have to take personal responsibility. I don't have to use that word like I, I was wrong. I, I, you know, somebody else might have done something wrong, but I can take responsibility for me and my actions, okay? And, and it's interesting biblically how often we really do want the Bible to be written to other people. Hmm. It's great. You know, we, we want that. Like, no, it should be, except more times than not, it's written to, to us to make a decision in our life right now. That personal responsibility of going, oh, for me, here and now, this is what has to change. Mm -hmm. All right? 
and our, I think sometimes it's easy to look around at all kinds of other people and go, but Kyle's not doing that, and Josh isn't doing that, and, and, and he's not encouraging, and Claire's not encouraging one another daily, and, and all these kind of things instead of going, hold on a minute. You, but I can't. What am I doing in terms of the Word of God, okay? So we can find someone. That may be the thing that makes you feel so good. And isn't it weird how sin does that? It can make you feel like this. I, I feel better when I find someone to blame. All right? And it's this person. If they wouldn't have done that and all those kind of things. And what we're saying, we're not saying that people are right. What we're saying is, is that doesn't affect our choices. All right? We can embrace this kind of thinking. You ever do this? The more dramatic you are, I can be very dramatic. You use these kind of all or nothing. It's all or nothing kind of thinking, right? It's this idea of that always happens to me. All right, isn't it funny? No one rarely, look at me. No one said, no, but, okay. Uh, but isn't it funny how, how few times we say that about good things, right? Like you walk in and you're like, you know what always happens? When I walk into public, people always greet me in such a happy way. Right? That is true, but I rarely say that. Okay? But when something bad happens, okay, or something doesn't go well, you want to know what? That always happens. You know, we, we've, we've cut the cord on cable. You know, we don't have any cable any longer. And so we're using, like, we have, like, a little box that gives us, like, Netflix and all that kind of stuff. And, and periodically the internet stops running, okay? And, it, and it always happens in my favorite shows, okay? And that's not true at all. But it's like, it's, that is such poisonous thinking. That always happens to me, all right? Or, or something good happens to somebody else, okay? Let, let's say we show up for church and it's Brent's birthday and we're like, whoa, let's have a celebration for Brent. Well, they never do that for me, right? And we negate, we use these sweeping and, and, it, and it really goes back to even what Alfreda shared earlier is kind of this ingratitude and this that not observant of how God is working. And we use this all or nothing thinking, right? Like everyone has, uh, you know, every single person in the church has a boyfriend or a girlfriend except for me. Everybody, you know, and it's like, and it's these huge, and, and it's, it's one of those, Murphy's cracking up because she probably said that like a little bit ago, but, but, but. <laughs> We're a small group right here, Murphy, you know? Exactly. But, uh, but don't blame me, okay? That will keep you in a rut. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> see how that works that way? Uh, but, uh, but, but the truth of the matter is, is we use these words always, impossible, never, terrible. You know, these hugely, like, emotionally charged words and we don't realize that that trains our thinking yeah. to stay stuck. Yeah. Okay? It, it's so funny how much my thinking follow. Like, I end up doing how I think. All right? So when I'm thinking negatively and I'm thinking in this all or nothing world, I never get better spiritually. Ever. Okay? And so, you know, you live in this. And here's the fifth one right here. If you want to stay stuck. Keep a record of wrongs. Keep a record of wrongs. All right? Stay bitter. That will absolutely keep us stuck in a rut. Colossians 3, 
verse 13, forgive as Jesus forgave you, right? What makes you feel funny about forgiveness, though? What is it? When you, when you talk about really forgiving people for doing something, what makes you feel weird about that? Right. They shouldn't have to pay for what they did, though. Right. Summed up perfectly right there. It's it's not fair for me to let them off the hook. And and, and all you're doing with forgiveness is you're saying, I don't get to be the judge anymore. Like, I forgive you. I, I relinquish all of my ability to hold court over this situation. I forgive you, okay? And, but I do think there is that side of where you think, but it's not fair. But what if they get away with it? But what if, what if, nothing, what if nothing bad ever happens to them, right? Because there's that side of it where we're like, man, doesn't it make you feel better when somebody has done something to you to see them pay for that? Yeah. <laughs> okay, but I did, but, and, and that's a human thing, but I want to caution us. Yeah. That's the complete opposite of Jesus. Yeah. All right, could you imagine Jesus saying, you know, man, I can't wait to peg those little jokers down there. Like, I'm going to catch you. And, you know, sometimes we see God that way. Like, he's just waiting for you to mess up. Okay? Because that's how we think oftentimes. Is I'm going to keep this record of wrongs instead of, again, what helps me is sometimes, you want to know what? We've got to take an inventory and go down. How, am I being kind of like this little Velcro not a disco ball, a Velcro ball, okay? And everything sticks to it, okay? And, and what is stuck to me and you, okay? If we want to get unstuck spiritually is we've got to figure out, are there things that I'm like hanging on to that I'm like Velcro instead of Teflon, right? Non-stick right there, okay? Non-stick, okay? Velcro, and that happens. My heart can be like Velcro, and you just are remembering everything, it's bad most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I was going to say, I've noticed with Megan that, like, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. She'll be like explaining, like, why she did something. And I'm like, what? I won't want it to have hurt my feelings. I won't want it to have mattered. And so I was like, babe, it's fine. Like, don't worry about it. But then the truth is, is that it did hurt my feelings, or I do still feel something about it. And so later I'll bring it up, and I'll be like, well, you did this two days ago, you did three days ago. And it's like, I won't actually let it go, but I won't acknowledge that I'm holding on to it. Right, right. Isn't it funny? In so many cases, we can do that. We can say the right words, like, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then when people act like it's okay, you're like, what's your problem? You don't care about me anymore? You know, or, or in humility, we can go, gosh, you know what? I've really, man, I've been such an ogre lately. And somebody goes, yeah, you have been. What? <laughs> like, they agree with us, and we, we get upset, right? Instead of going, so it's exactly right. Is our, the, we can say the words, but really that it changes how we do life really is what we're talking about here do am i really like if it's okay then it's okay like i've let i really have let it go um and we hope megan works on that Uh, she's got to get better at those things okay you know second corinthians 10 uh, this is really um i love this we take captive every thought to make it obedient to christ like every we've got to be mindful this is where carelessness gets us stuck is when we're careless spiritually, we forget that the thoughts that are happening in our minds when they don't 
become obedient to Christ, they stick us in a rut. They get us stuck. It's like quicksand, like mud. Okay, And so this is the verse to me that helps kind of shake it loose a little bit is this idea of, man, okay, I live in the world. I've got to figure out what's the weapon that's not of this world that's going to go ahead and demolish these things and how I can take captive every single thought. So I'm not blaming and I'm not, you know, this all or nothing like I really and it's a training exercise. It's like really like how am I thinking? And, and we've got to just take a little bite at a time. Like, what am I really thinking? Write it down and make it obedient to Christ. Here's a couple of practicals, just a few practicals. Uh, get acquainted with your ants. All right? Automatic negative thoughts, man. Right? I mean, those are the things that it's automatic. Josh just had one right there. I just saw it. Have it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in his eyes. He was like, you know, so we're not judging you. We're just using you as an illustration. <laughs> but there, there, it was about me. <laughs> That's why I don't do good. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, it's the automatic. It's that idea of going, hold on a minute. Where do I automatically go with people? All right. And, and, and it's so easy for me to automatically go to this negative thought pattern of I know what you're thinking. I know what's going on in your heart. I know what's happening. I know, like I've read your mind in your heart, and I know it, and that can be trained. That's an automatic thing, okay? And we've got to know, like, what's my automatic negative or cynical thought pattern, okay? So it's this idea, if we don't know it, it's going to rain in us. Like, what's my automatic negative thought pattern? You have to, you have to, the Lord turned that off right there because there was a bad word in it. Uh, but put your butt in the right place. Yeah. B-U-T. <laughs> okay. You, we have, we've got to do that. What does that mean? Okay. Is, t- okay. You, we take a verse. All right. Uh, God will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. But this temptation is so hard. I'm not sure I can do it. Okay, you got to switch or you got to move around the butt. Okay, where what do we do is we go, hold on a minute. This is so hard right now. I am so tempted to like act out on this sin, but, but God will not allow me to be tempted more than I, you see how you just switch it around the butt right there and it becomes totally different and faithful, right? And so it's that idea of knowing where is my butt, okay? Where is that thing? Uh, you know, and just reading our Bible that way. You know, Matthew 28, Jesus said, I'll be with you always, all right? But isn't it easy? We can, we can get in our mind, man, I am so busy and I'm so disconnected and I'm so all of these things, you know. But Jesus promised he's with me Amen. right now. Versus, yeah, I know he says that, but man, my life is so hard right now, and I just feel lonely and alone, and he's not really there, and all these kind of things. Changes everything, Amen. all right? And it's that idea of take Bible verse and figure out where, which side of the butt is the Bible verse on, all right? And, and really figuring that out, or we end up just having biblical thoughts that are faithless. We take all the power out of them because we're, we're focused on us rather than focusing on the Bible, and then this, we're going to finish with this, Philippians 4.8. This is probably, the, the, man, one of my favorite things in the world 
Uh, they, in fact, a guy wrote this little devotional book called the Philippians 4.8 Principle. It's really great. You, you get a copy of that. It's really good. But Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, exceptional, praiseworthy, right? Think about these things. Maybe this may be the verse that might be the top, in the top 10 of unobeyed verses in the Bible. <laughs> unobeyed verses, okay? This is, if we want to go, hold on, I want to get unstuck. I want to get in touch with gratitude. I want to get in touch, whatever, whatever it is, how does that happen? How do we actually make this like something that translates from Philippians 4.8 into the 24-hour day of our lives. How do you think we bridge that gap? What do you think? How do you do it? Well, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Mm -hmm. um, re, uh, I think recently I've gotten disconnected from it a lot. And um, it was like an epiphany um, one day. And I, and I went up to Royce and I said, you know what? I think sometimes as we grow in marriage or in in relationships with children or relationships with each other, we forget that we're actually supposed to focus on our sin and we're supposed to repent of that sin. And it's that simple. It's like if we acknowledge what our sins are in our hearts or in our minds, and then because uh, uh, recently I just had a terrible, terrible thought about Royce, and um, and I it, it was really bad. Yeah. And and I had to I had to actually talk out loud with God. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait a minute, what's my sin here? What is going on? What you know? What am I supposed to really be thinking here? And then um, it was gone. Amen. Yeah, once I focused on it, and then I confessed it to Royce. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm glad you told me because I was thinking some bad thoughts about you too. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. And um, but it was really cool because we acknowledged it. It was our own personal sin. Yeah. And and I but I had to. I needed God to help me through it. Yeah. And sometimes awesome. I think where um, we have this ambiguous thought about what sins are, instead of really remembering what are the actual sins, what does mm -hmm. God call sins? Mm -hmm. Because some things we'll think, oh, having a bad attitude, what does mm -hmm. the Bible actually say mm -hmm. about that? Mm -hmm. what, is the, what do the scriptures sure. say about what's going on in me? Yeah. And then when I actually get to the scriptures and I, I identify exactly what's going on with me, then I can go, okay, so how do I kick yes. this out? Yeah, absolutely. Here, here's what I'm going to I'm, What Alfreda just said is adjusting just a tiny bit is, is the idea of you actually weren't focused on your sin. You don't want to focus on your sin. This is focused on Jesus, and the darkness gets revealed. Amen. See the difference right there of what you just described was Philippians 4.8, and it was the idea of whatever's true and noble and right and pure and loving and admirable and all of those things, and then going, hold on a minute, there's this darkness here. And what changed you was the light, not focusing on the dark, right? And so, but that's just a little adjustment right there biblically, but it's exactly right. It's exactly the perfect thing is this idea of going, hold on a minute. When I am whatever, thinking of whatever's true and noble and right and pure and lovely, admirable, exceptional, praiseworthy, all of a sudden the specifics of how I'm falling short of that become real, right? And going, hold on, I don't want to be like that. This is what I want to be like. And what's going to even get me there is when I, when I do think of the specific things, that's going to even help propel me to get me there. So really perfectly encapsulated right there. Yeah. For me, I tend to be an overthinker about like, everything ever. 
get focused on something that's not true because of the logic jump of, okay, this person did this, that must mean, right. blah, 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 and right. I go like 10 steps down into crazy world, and for me, honestly, a lot of the time it's just like talking through it, and then Anna Claire being like, do you really think that that's what's going on, or right. that's what they think, or that that's right. what you did with yes. that situation? Like, well, um, okay, maybe they don't actually think that, or maybe it didn't yeah. actually screw up like the whole university right. with the decision yes. And so being slowed back down so that I can, and then, show, okay, so what is true? Okay, well, this person does love me, or yeah. okay, yeah. this person isn't mad at me. Right. 365 days out of the right. year, I did one thing wrong. I, right. I don't think that, that discredited everything right. I've ever done. So right. really just being reminded that there there are like truthful things I can focus on instead of yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Both of what you guys are saying is, is, is as we talk about and as we Amen. communicate is is how we you both have described how you wrestle. Our spouses help us wrestle with getting us to that place of true and noble and right and pure and all these things, right? And so you see, wow, that how valuable that is in this. And I say you're right because um... you can. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Because I thought about who works really. Is. Yes. And I thought about, you know, how much he loves me and all yes. of the righteousness yes. about him. And when I started doing that and start thinking about what the truth was, that's what it helped me. Yes. And so, so much of this is, is being able to talk about it, right? Of having, you know, it might even be one of those things where you just have like a little Philippians 4-8 little thing you do each day. Just training your mind to think this way. And you're going, Keith, I don't have time for all that. I mean, we're just talking about like a minute or something. I mean, I'm not talking about like a, a thesis. Okay. Um, I just want to say it is so refreshing to hear what you just said. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do not live in a world where people say, I had a terrible thought about my spouse. Yes. They don't say that out loud. Yes. And so there's this like fairy tale yes. idea. Well, you're not supposed to think that. Yes. Well, I don't care if I'm supposed to. Yeah. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to deal with it faithfully. And it's like, because it, you know it happens, but people don't say that stuff. Yes. So that's yeah. awesome. Well, and it is so incredible. Not to hear, oh, it's so great that you have bad <laughs> thoughts about people. Yeah. No, it's not that. I have terrible thoughts about people. And to be like, yes. let's just be, let's, can we just be honest that, we, that, that that's not unfaithful yeah. right. to have these thoughts because this life Absolutely. is a spiritual battle, not some fairy tale. Absolutely. Well, and that's, what's great, too, is, yeah, <laughs> she goes, I was thinking something worse about you, buddy. <laughs> but, but you know what's funny is, is, is when Alfreda shared that, we know what everybody thought? I've, I've done that. Yes. Like, that's a natural thing to me, is to do that. That really is, is true. And even going back to the idea that oftentimes we won't acknowledge it because we'll go, but a Christian shouldn't think that way. And we live in the should, right. right? And we get stuck. Well, Christians shouldn't do that. But I did, and I'm a Christian, so let me get it into the light, right? Now I'm living in it today, okay? And so you see how that works that way. But, yeah, you're exactly right. Disco ball works. That's how the disco ball works, man. You know, Juliana, you had your hand up. Oh, yeah. Oh. You had something bad you thought about David, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
just thinking about how, you know, you said this is like one of the most unfollowed scriptures in the Bible, yeah. but a lot of it is really the basis of everything. <laughs> yes. Because as disciples, as true yes. disciples following the Bible, we don't focus on all these outward things, <laughs> we focus on our hearts. And then from what's in our hearts shows in our actions. Come and I down. think sometimes we can even get stuck on like just not sinning. So our heart thoughts, we, we get the sin out of our thoughts, but being a disciple is not just about right. being ritualistically right pure. What you do. Yes. But if we get in this works mode, yeah. then we miss the whole point. So if mm-hmm. we have Yes. This heart of Philippians of like, I'm gonna think about what's noble and right and true and all these things. Yeah then we're not going to be like slaving away to do, yes. you know, something or be super legalistic, but we're going to be doing yeah. stuff out of our hearts. Yeah. And so yeah. I think really, you talk about us not doing this, it's really the basis of everything. Yes. It's how it should go. It yes. goes from the inside out. And right. that's what really... That's exactly right. And that's a part of one of those things when you kind of are putting together, like you're going, Juliana's five ways to stay stuck. You know, that's why there's so many in here is going, hey, just work on the external and neglect the internal. Right. Mm-hmm. Just work on getting rid of sin instead of actually living the life of Jesus. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's all of these things that we could add to that because that's really beneficial. As yeah. we think through this, you're exactly right. Philippians 4.8 is the heart of what we're called to do. And when we're full, what ends up happening is we overflow. And that changes how we do life and how we treat people. Amen. Okay. And it even changes how we treat people from a standpoint of that we don't expect. Sometimes it's easy as a Christian that we, we intellectually can understand, okay, it's not about this works legalistic kind of thing, but, it, but sometimes we can treat people that way. Amen. Yeah. Like, come on, change your behavior. Change your behavior instead of going, hold on a minute. The issue is like something's going on right. in there that, that, that's not overflowing in Jesus, right? So, man, this is, these are good things right here, what you guys are sharing. I mean, really great stuff. But it's that idea of hopefully this kind of stimulates you to go back and kind of brainstorm and think through and kind of make your own class up for you um, this week.